Sorry, good evening from my side. Uh, good to have you back this evening as we consider, uh, continue our series uh, in the life of Joseph. And so please turn in your Bibles uh, with me to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to look at chapter 40 tonight, Genesis chapter 40, but we're going to just start our reading uh, back in Genesis chapter 39, uh, verse 20, and we're going to read through chapter 40, just into the beginning of chapter 41. Uh, so let's read this uh, account. It should be well known to you, uh, but let's not let the familiarity uh, cause us not to take note of God's word this evening. Genesis 39 verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We've had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating out of the baskets on my head. And Joseph answered him, and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position 
and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And we'll just leave it there for, for this evening. This is God's word, and let's just come to the Lord again in prayer before we come to this portion of Scripture. Lord, we, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this account recorded for us so many thousands of years ago of your servant Joseph and the journey that you took him on in this chapter. And we pray that as we come to this portion of Scripture this evening, our hearts would be open and ready to hear you speak to us uh, as we learn uh, not just lessons from Joseph, how to live our lives in this world, but ultimately to understand your purposes and your plans in our lives uh, and what you are trying to accomplish in this world. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please keep those verses open before you. As I was reading uh, the end of Genesis 39 verse 20 about Joseph being uh, unjustly convicted and then thrown into prison, uh, it reminded me that back in 1972, a crack commander unit was sent to prison for a crime they did not commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help you, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-team. Um, sorry, that's my 80s background coming there, but... The story of Joseph is nothing like that. It may have started off in the very same way, but there was no dramatic escape uh, from Pharaoh's maximum security prison to the Egyptian underground. There was no action-packed master plan to escape from prison through the city wall at night in a basket, as we read of in the New Testament. There was no calling of the A-team for help in this story. For as we come to Genesis chapter 40, we see that God presses the pause button. Now I'm sure I don't need to explain the pause button to you. Uh, we all make use of it every day when we're watching the news or a movie or a video on YouTube and suddenly we, we get called to do something urgent, something important. And what do we do? We simply press pause. And then we come back five minutes later or sometimes we even come back the next day and, and we simply pick up where we left off. Now, for us, during those minutes or hours of having pressed pause, life carries on. Uh, we, we continue to attend to the urgencies of life. We do the important things uh, that needed doing. And then when we are ready, we simply come back and we press play. Well, as we continue in what has been a very fast-paced, action-packed story in the life of Joseph in Genesis 37 and last week 39, it's, it's been a little bit like riding on a roller coaster at Gold Reef City or your favorite theme park. The story started off back in chapter 37 quite domestically as we were told about this young 17-year-old boy called Joseph who was elevated by his father to the high position of being the chosen son above all of his 10 brothers. He was loved the most by his father. He was given this elaborate coat that set him apart from all his siblings as their leader. And then he was even given dreams by God which indicated a future of great power uh, and of great influence over all of his family. 
when suddenly the roller coaster of Joseph's life seemed to kind of turn the top corner and began to plummet downhill. Down through the betrayal of his brothers, down into the pit in the desert, down uh, even further of being sold as a slave to the Midianites. Then chapter nine, uh, chapter, sorry, chapter 39 continued the story as, as Joseph's roller coaster of a life seemed to then turn a bottom corner and he sold to Potiphar. And things started to improve. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's guard and, and he begins to rise again to a position of leadership and prominence in Potiphar's house. And then suddenly the, the roller coaster twists and turns. It, it does a loop in that whole incident with Potiphar's wife until eventually Joseph exits her house, leaving his garment behind, and the roller coaster plummets now to a new low point as Joseph is falsely accused of rape and thrown into the dungeon of the king's prison. But even there, the story continues and the roller coaster of Joseph's life turns upwards again as Joseph is now put in charge of all the other prisoners. And throughout this whirlwind journey of ups and downs and twists and turns, we are told four times that the Lord was with Joseph and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The roller coaster of Joseph's life now seems to have finally turned the corner for good. We've all read ahead. We, we know how the story goes from here. It's really all upward from here on out. His dreams from 11 years ago are finally about to become a reality. When suddenly we hear a loud mechanical clank and the roller coaster of Joseph's life grinds to a screeching halt. In the story of Joseph's life, as we come to chapter 40, God presses the pause button. What we have recorded between the end of chapter 39 and the beginning of chapter 41 is probably in the region of about three years. Three years in the prison of Pharaoh, the place where the king's prisoners were kept. This was maximum security prison where all the high-profile criminals were kept under the close watch of Pharaoh's soldiers awaiting the king's verdict, as we saw with the baker, for execution. Verse 15 tells us that this was no easy life. Chapter 40, verse 15. It was not an easy life of house arrest as some prison arrangements seemed to be, where you had the freedom to do daily exercise and perhaps learn a new skill along the way. No, Joseph calls the prison literally a pit or a dungeon. Now, in the events of these 28 verses, from chapter 3, verse 20, through to chapter 41, verse 1, God presses the pause button in Joseph's life as three whole years pass by. And so as the whole story grinds to a halt, we are meant to pause as well. We're meant to take note this evening of the change of pace in the story and ask God, what are you doing in Joseph's life? And as we ask God those questions from the text, we begin to understand what God is doing in our lives when we too, like Joseph, go through seasons when God presses the pause button. And so I've already made uh, my first point this evening, which is that life is a roller coaster. We see this in chapter 37 to 39. 
I've recounted Joseph's ride up to this point, and I'm sure that you can testify with some of that in your life as well. There are seasons when things go so well in your life. Your marriage, things with your kids, your career, the church, it's all going well, and then suddenly you're almost jarred out of your seat as the roller coaster of life, it, it weaves left and then right, and then it does an inverted negative 2G dive into a dark tunnel. And just when you think you can't take it any longer, the light of day begins to emerge, you've turned a corner, things start to normalize as you slowly begin to coast upwards again at a gradual pace. As we read the stories of many of God's saints in Scripture, as we look across the pages of church history, we start to see that this is the normal pattern. This is the normal shape of, of living in this fallen world. Some seasons are more up than down. Other seem, seasons seem to be more down than up. But as we saw last week in Joseph's journey, it's through the ups and the downs, God was with Joseph. And Joseph was with God. We saw last time that the Lord was with Joseph in his work. The Lord was with Joseph in his temptations. The Lord was with Joseph in his suffering. And so if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, I'm sure you can testify to the fact that as you look back over your life, perhaps even as you look back over your unconverted years, you can testify that God has been with you every step of the way, in the ups and in the downs. But chapter 40 is different. Chapter 40 is different because in the second place tonight we see that sometimes the roller coaster gets stuck. If I'm honest with myself, this is probably for me the hardest season of life to navigate when it seems like my life is just stuck and I'm going nowhere slowly. Now we are given four time markers uh, in these verses to help us see how the story of Joseph's life slows down to this grinding halt. Chapter 39, verse 20 to 23, tells us that Joseph was thrown into this prison, the king's prison, and it seems that over time, Joseph found favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison, and he put Joseph in charge of, of all the prisoners in the prison. And we aren't told for certain how long that was, but I, I guess that this process must have taken at least perhaps three to six months Joseph wasn't even a native Egyptian. He would have had to have proven himself as a criminal to be faithful and wise and hardworking so that over time he rose up to a position of class captain of the prison. The next time marker is given to us in chapter 40, verse 1, which says, sometime after this. In other words, sometime after Joseph had risen to the position of leadership in the prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker were thrown into the same prison. And so probably verse 1 is indicating another couple of months in the storyline. Then the third time marker is given to us in verse 4 of chapter 40. It says, The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. And so perhaps another couple months go by as Joseph attends to them before the night when they had uh, their famous dreams. 
The rest of the chapter tells us then about Joseph's interpretation of the dreams leading up to the cupbearer's release and the baker being hanged. There's a bit of action going on for about three days in the story. And just before the cupbearer is released, we have verse 15, where Joseph pleads with the cupbearer, please remember me before Pharaoh so that I can get out of this dungeon, out of this pit. But the passage goes on to tell us that the cupbearer forgot Joseph. And so that brings us to the fourth time marker, uh, and that comes at the beginning of chapter 41, where we read, after two whole years, Pharaoh had a dream. And so in the space of a, a few verses, Joseph's life has been put on hold for three years. He's stuck. He's going nowhere. And not just stuck in the rut of everyday life as a normal citizen in Egypt, but literally stuck in the pit of Pharaoh's dungeon. He can't even go out for a milkshake. He's stuck serving the worst of criminals. Maybe you can identify with Joseph tonight. You see, in many respects, when, when life is happening... Whether it's an up season or whether it's a down season, there's activity, there's movement. And, and where there is movement, well, there's hope for change. But in those seasons when God presses the pause button, it's very easy to lose hope and to begin to despair. I remember on my matric holiday, uh, I went with some friends on a sailing yacht uh, to Mozambique for a month. The one friend's dad was an experienced sailor who offered to take us on this trip. And, and the journey there was exhilarating. We, we left Durban. Uh, we stuck close to the coastline. We sailed for five days to Inyaka Island. It was fantastic. When it finally came time to leave, our captain said that we now have to sail one day out to sea because we have to get ourselves into the Agullis current which flows down back towards Durban. And so we did that. We, we sailed out to sea for a whole day and about at the time when it was right to, to kind of start turning south to head back to Durban, all of a sudden we hit the doldrums. Not a breath of wind. We had a little bit of diesel on the boat to kind of run the engine to get us into the harbor, but nothing that would get us back to Durban. And so for a whole 24 hours, we bobbed around in the middle of the sea. No land in sight, going nowhere slowly. Now, I praise God it was only 24 hours before he sent us wind um, because after one day of being stuck and helpless, uh, I was beginning to fear those scenes in those Bermuda Triangle movies. Um, it's amazing how quickly the exhilaration faded and fear and doubts and, and despair started to set in. But we must take great encouragement that when God presses the pause like that in our lives, that it's God who presses pause. We see the fingerprints of God pressing pause all over this passage. Chapter 39, verse 21 and 23, the Lord was with Joseph in prison. We are told the Lord gave Joseph favor with the keeper of the prison. The Lord made everything that Joseph do, did succeed. But look at this little hidden gem in chapter 40, verse 4. When Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker were thrown into prison, we read that the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them. Did you see the gem? It's hidden there. 
Who is the captain of the guard? It's none other than Potiphar. Potiphar, the very man who in his anger threw Joseph in prison for a crime he did not commit, this man Potiphar interferes in the leadership structures of the prison. He overrules the keeper of the prison who was under him and he puts Joseph in charge of the two most important prisoners in the history of the prison. Coincidence? I think not. Does this mean that the roller coaster is about to start moving again? Well, not yet, but it does remind us whose finger is on the pause button. It's none other than God in his sovereign purposes. And so the remainder of the passage teaches us that sometimes God does his finest work in our lives in those seasons when he presses the pause button. And so in the third place, we see that a stuck roller coaster produces godly character. Now, I think this is meant to be a universal principle in all of our lives as Christians, irrespective of the season of life that we're going through, but especially when we seem stuck and nothing seems to be going right or left, that God is not paused. Our God is always working out all things for the good of those who love him, even or especially when he has pressed the pause button on our lives. I think our problem, however, is that we are such an instant generation and either so driven to get out of pause mode or so depressed and despondent that we're in pause mode to begin with that we miss the purposes of God at work in us to produce godly character. I remember that, that holiday, how I sat on the deck of that yacht in the doldrums, wondering if we kind of all clubbed together and blew as hard as we could into the sail, if we wouldn't perhaps get ourselves moving. Um, hadn't studied engineering yet. Um, it's not going to work. But um, that's how desperate we were, coming up with all these ideas. What can we do to get moving, get out of this? But here we see that Joseph was using this, or God was using this season of paused hardship in Joseph's life to produce in Joseph, something which seasons of comfort and prosperity and pace never could. He was teaching Joseph that to become great in the kingdom of God meant that he had to become the servant of others. We see Joseph's godly character being formed in the way that he served the prison keeper worked hard, faithfully in the little menial tasks that were given to him and not long after he was given responsibility over everything in the prison. We see Joseph's godly character formed in the way that he served his fellow prisoners. He comes in the morning, he finds the cupbearer and the baker downcast, troubled by their dreams and he says to them, why are your faces downcast today? Think about that, isn't that amazing? This is a man who was ripped away from his family as a teenager, sold into slavery in a foreign country. Eventually, after 10 years of working hard to become the, the trusted chief slave of Potiphar, he's then falsely accused of rape, publicly shamed, unjustly sentenced, thrown into prison. And this is the man who for the last year has been a servant to the other prisoners. It's been about 11 years since Joseph had his dreams back in Canaan. 11 years where absolutely nothing has become of his dreams. 
In a sense, just as his brothers predicted when they said, come, let's kill him, let's throw him into one of these pits, and then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Eleven years later, Joseph is literally still in a pit. And what has become of his dreams? At face value, it, it seems like his brother's evil plan succeeded. But what we see is that while Joseph's dreams have not yet materialized, God has providentially orchestrated every step of his journey to produce a young man of incredible godly character. I think it's in this aspect of the story that we see the corresponding shape of Joseph's life corresponding to that of Jesus' life. We've seen that before. To see how the godly definition or the definition of godly character is to become more like Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians 2 verse 3 to 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or clung onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So not only does a stuck roller coaster produce a Christ-like character in us, but we also see that in the fourth place, a stuck roller coaster grows our faith. I think this has been one of the hardest lessons to learn as a Christian, and one which I believe the Lord still has much work to do in my own heart. Back in my engineering days when we used to host conferences and sales meetings for our clients and our prospects, uh, usually in Pretoria, Durban and Cape Town, things were great because lots was happening. Companies were being driven to improve their products, they were wanting to establish new technology and it was exciting to be part of that journey with them. But man, when we went to Port Elizabeth, it was like trying to churn milk into cheese with a toothpick. Those guys there are so laid back and happy to be stuck going nowhere that I finally understood why they all loved fishing. <laughs> Isn't that how it is with us spiritually? When God presses the pause button, there's nothing chasing us, there's no crisis to fix, there's no big decisions to make, that in those times of meaninglessness and hopelessness can set in and it drives us to either depression or despair. But when we understand that it is God who presses the pause button and his purposes in that season of pause is to build godly character, then we begin to grow in our faith in God to accomplish his purposes in us. Not only did this season in the pit produce godly character in Joseph, which really turned him outward towards his neighbor, he was thinking of others before himself, making himself a servant to others in the pit. But it also turned Joseph's heart upwards, making him entirely dependent upon God. Let's read from verse 5. One night 
They both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker from the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, each with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. He was outward looking. This godly character flowed outward. And so he said to them, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we've had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Here we see how this season of pause had not only made Joseph not doubt God or become bitter and disappointed toward God, but in actual fact had drawn Joseph even closer to God. I love to see how it was this outward focused character, godly character of, of Joseph, it's what opened the door for his upward focused faith in God to be put on display. His deep personal concern for these fellow prisoners gave him an opportunity to point them upwards towards his deep trust in the sovereign God of providence who had pressed pause in Joseph's life. Look again at verse 8. We've had dreams, there's no one to interpret them. Now at that moment, Joseph could have kicked into self-salvation mode, Superman mode. And he could have said, I'll interpret them for you. I've got a gift. Tell me the dreams and I'll tell you the answer. But look at what he says. Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. Here both, Joseph both points them to God and then he identifies himself with God. This is the statement of a man who is walking with the Lord on a daily basis. He understands that God's purposes in his life and God's purposes in the lives of others does not stop when God presses pause, but actually gives, God, uh, gives an opportunity for God to grow us in our faith and for us to point others to God. So this leads me on to our final point tonight, which is that a stuck roller coaster uh, prepares us for God's purposes for God's greater purposes even though God brings these seasons of pause into our lives and his his purposes continue in us his purposes continue through us in these seasons of pause we see that God is using these times to prepare us for even greater purposes which he has for us in his kingdom we are told of what happened when Joseph interprets the dreams how exactly as he said, three days later the cupbearer was restored to the position of serving Pharaoh while the baker was put to death. And when the cupbearer was given his interpretation and that he would be restored to, to Pharaoh, that he would restore to Pharaoh's favor, Joseph asks him, look at verse 14 and 15, only remember me. Remember me when it is well with you and please do me the kindness, it's actually chesed again, do me kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and here also I've done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Now some commentators do try and paint Joseph in a very negative light in these verses implying that he was desperate here, he was not trusting in God but I think the whole tone of the passage points us in a different direction. I think Joseph was simply seeking his freedom as any slave would and should seek his freedom. He was seeking to have his name cleared as any innocent person wants to have their name cleared. And he was pursuing the natural opportunities presented to him to be released from prison 
in order to be of greater usefulness for God. I think this is where we can learn a very important lesson from Joseph because I think sometimes all too often uh, we are so busy trying to get out of the pit of pause that we miss the work of character building and faith growing which God is wanting us to experience in the pit. We force our way out of the pit of pause before the season of God's greater purpose is ready for us and before we are ready for it. The chapter ends by telling us that three days later everything happened just as Joseph said it would and yet, verse 23, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. I love the way the Hebrew gives us this news as a double negative. He did not remember Joseph and he did forget him. And then the very next verse says, after two whole years, Pharaoh had a dream. What we will see next week is that Joseph's request to the cupbearer to remember him before Pharaoh is exactly the means which God intends to use to bring Joseph out of prison. But God's timing was just very different to what Joseph had anticipated. If Joseph had been remembered that day, the day the cupbearer was restored, Pharaoh's birthday, he, he might have been simply released back into the captivity of Potiphar. Or Maybe Pharaoh was feeling particularly generous. He could have pardoned Joseph and set him free and maybe Joseph would have headed back to Canaan or simply got absorbed into the Egyptian culture. But God's purposes for Joseph involved him being the vehicle or the means through which God's promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob would one day be fulfilled. God still had a lot for Joseph to accomplish, more than Joseph could ever imagine. But God's timing required more character building, more faith growing before Joseph was ready to be the man of God's deliverance. And so you might wonder what Joseph did every day for the next two years. Well, I would suggest that he simply went on doing what he had done every day for the previous one year. As chapter 39 tells us, the Lord was with Joseph showed him steadfast love, gave him favor in the eyes of this, the keeper of the prison. He put everything in Joseph's charge. All the prisoners were under him. Whatever he did, God blessed and succeeded. Prison master paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever Joseph did, day by day, week by week, month by month, and eventually, year by year, the Lord made it succeed in prison with God's fingers still on the pause. So as we close tonight, I hope this passage encourages you to see and embrace what God is doing in every season of your life. Even if you are going through a season when your roller coaster is stuck. Recognize that it is God who presses pause and his gracious commitment to fulfill his kingdom promises through the church involves growing your faith and building your character in these times of pause so that you and I will be ready for the work that he has for us to do in the next season. Now, lest you think that I'm a prosperity preacher, the next season after pause may well take you up to a position of great influence for God's kingdom. 
where your character and your faith will be tested in ways that you could never have imagined had you not first gone through the pit of pause. But maybe, as is often the case, the next season will take you down into a place of grief and suffering, a place of trial and struggle. And there is no way that you will survive that, let alone be fruitful for God's glory in that valley had you not first spent this season in the pit of pause. And so no matter what season you are in right now, let me close by encouraging you from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 41. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. May the Lord greatly encourage us in his word this evening. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of this portion of scripture, there may be some here tonight who really do feel like their lives are in pause mode. Perhaps in a season where their job just seems to be stuck, perhaps in a season of studies for four years where there really seems no light at the end of the tunnel, perhaps stuck in relationships that just seem to not in any way be constructive or fruitful. Lord, you understand these things and help us to understand your purposes. Forgive us when we are so impatient to get out of these seasons of pause in our life that we are missing the work that you are trying to do in our hearts. Won't you produce in each one of us as your people this godly character, this Christ-likeness of having the same mind of the Lord Jesus Christ, of putting others first, of serving others in your kingdom as Jesus Christ has served us. Lord, won't you also cause us to be upward focused, to grow in our faith and dependence upon you so that we will be ready for whatever the next season may be, whether it is up or down, that we will bring glory and honor to you in every season of life, that your name will be great and that you will continue to build your church, that the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ will prevail as we as your servants represent you here on earth. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.